This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. All right. Welcome back to the Anonymous Eagle podcast. My name is Patrick Leary. I'm joined by Ben Snyder, and we've not done one of these in a while. Um, we did one since 2019, I believe. Yeah. No, excuse me, 2019-20. Um, and it was to discuss possible hiring candidates. And then I believe on that podcast, I said we shouldn't hire Shaka Smart definitively. I said the exact same thing. I yeah, was so the- anti and then Marquette hired Shaka Smart, and I could not be more on board, which is a bit hilarious. In the moment, I was also fully on board, um, even though like a week earlier I had said I wasn't. Uh, but it's amazing how seeing his uh, stuff, I was going to say shtick, but that seems harsh, harsh. but um, seeing his stuff <laughs> in action is uh, a game changer because I'm all in, and I know you are too. Yeah, I mean, from what I remember about that last conversation, a lot of our hesitancy about Shaka was centered around the fact that, you know, the whole 2014 debacle happened with him saying that he was going to come and backing out on Doc Rivers and whoever. Um, and so our hesitancy was about him pulling something similar or not being like fully invested and little bit of buzz williams action but i also think you know, part of my hesitancy just to jump in and talk about not yeah. get deep in the weeds of done deal gate um <laughs> but part of my hesitancy it was related to the lack of tournament uh, accomplishment at texas and he mm-hmm. had just come off a really embarrassing tournament loss where he had appeared to not really be able to coach and yep. we had kind of had that issue when Wojo was going semi-well. We had had that issue um, with the Wojo era. And I think off the heels of that Abilene Christian loss, we had hesitancy. Right. Uh, but I mean, I mean, obviously like with the new coach, all the articles are going to be about the culture change praise and all that. And yeah, Shaka did seem to underperform a little bit with some, high caliber talent but it does seem like he's trying to do what he can to build a new identity and have some of those defensive things that we all have known and loved but also kind of adjusting things and developing it into more of a Marquette specific sort of culture yeah I agree and I think he's for sure a win the uh, win the preseason win the offseason win the press conference type coach where his culture is very apparent um, even before the team takes the floor. Uh, One thing as we sort of head into uh, discussing the preseason game and um, some maybe expectations or discussion around the roster, one thing I want to note is having lived through my senior year of college being the first year of the Steve Wojciechowski era, um, the transition from the Wojo roster to the smart roster versus the transition from the Williams roster to the Wojo roster 
could not have been more different uh, for uh, Shaka to be able to retain two of Wojo's recruits and also bring in three of his own is in addition to sort of the transfer ads is a massive difference. And maybe the whole eight strong thing that ended up happening in Wojo's first year should have been a red flag um, that we didn't ignore as much as we did at the time as sort of a natural part of a rebuilding process, because the cupboard going into this year while stocked with raw talent is extremely well stocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, part of what we convinced ourselves with Wojo during the eight strong era was like, Oh, we got Henry Ellenson and Tracy Carter and Hanif Cheatham coming up next. Um, And that had kind of clouded our vision, but yeah, it does seem like Shaka has, created something of his own that i mean probably obviously probably not going to be a great or even good team but like at least like something that resembles division one basketball right away yeah actually building i mean for them to come out and we can talk about this right now marquette defeating the is it bowie or Bowie state do we know I'm choosing to say Bowie because we can make a lot of uh, David Bowie references here. So Ziggy Stardust State um, (laughs) was no match. Uh, The 98-40 final score did not do it justice. It was far um, less close than that at times. Uh, It was something like 85 to 28 at one point, like ridiculous uh, level of blowout. Um, And as I noted on Twitter, different than the first exhibition game of the Steve Wojciechowski era, where, where Marquette beat Lindenwood University, now a very successful Division II basketball program at that time, but beat them by two points. And That was a wild ride of a game. Yeah, were you there? No, uh, I was, uh, that was my first year out of college, and okay. uh, I had to like pull over and watch the game and I was just so pissed off that I had to find myself making sure that they won that game. Oh, you and know what? Then that wouldn't have been the first exhibition game. Wait, was it? That was going into the 2018 year. Okay, no, never mind. I'm 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 not I'm the first uh wires crossed. I know they the lost to Nebraska Omaha. I remember that was the first year, right? But uh I think so, yeah. Now they lost the the era opener, I think. Unless I'm getting mm-hmm. my years confused. Anyway, at any rate, coming out and winning by 60 points is not a bad thing. And, uh, and appearing to having fun, do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the takeaway highlight, uh, shout out Marquette Overload, who was working overtime uh, with nice. the, thank you, uh, the live stream for maybe 10 minutes of the first half, which is hilarious. And I'm sure also terrible for your phone's battery. Um <laughs> And uh, was showing some of the highlights and had the highlight of the uh, Stevie Mitchell uh, alley-oop off the backboard to Kirk Woff, which is um, pretty impressive. Um, Already a highlight, like a legit highlight. Yeah. And some takeaways, I guess, if looking at uh, the box score, first of all, I think there was some conversation around what the starting lineup would look like. Um, on the anonymous Eagle, uh, website, we mostly, I think predicted 
um, either Lewis Quaff, Kolek, Morsel, and Morsel, excuse me, and Prosper Omax, or Lewis Quaff, Kolek, Morsel, and Elliot. And I don't know what would have been the starting lineup had Greg Elliott been available for this game. Uh, but Omax being in the lineup is a good sign for the Clemson transfers stock. Clemson transfer, right? I'm doing that off the top of my yes, head. Yes, Clemson, it's yeah. Entirely positive he's a Clemson transfer. It's a good sign for his uh, overall stock and potential playing time. Um, off the top, uh, Greg Elliott uh, is suspended for the first four games of the season for some sort of disciplinary matter, um, a lapse in judgment, I believe it was called. Uh, we have no yeah. idea what that is. That's not a good sign. It's not what you want to see from your most experienced player. Um, although Daryl Mosell is technically the most experienced college basketball player on the team, Greg Elliott is far and away the longest tenured Marquette player. Is the only player that's been at Marquette for more than last season on the entire roster, um, with, with the exception of one of the walk-ons, I'm pretty sure. But um, So that's obviously not what you want to see from your team leader. But in terms of who did play uh, the starting lineup, as I mentioned, uh, Tyler Kolick, Daryl Morsell were the guards, Justin Lewis and Omax Prosper the forwards, and Kirk Quath, while listed as a forward, is about as center-ish as a center uh, gets in college basketball. Um, and among that group, um, Kirk Quath stood out uh, with a double-double and four blocks. Um, Justin Lewis and... Well, first of all, the, the start to the game saw the team hit four threes in the opening segment, which two of them from uh, Lewis and then one each from Kolick and Prosper. And that is an area um, that I know in our discussions uh, thus far we were concerned about. So I would say that that is something that jumps out immensely positively to see the key players, especially Justin Lewis of all people, uh, yes, yeah, so if Justin Lewis is hitting threes, because he shot like 22% from deep last year, like basically yep. a non-factor. If that's something that he's developed, then like I'm, 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 I'm all the way in. He made his first two threes, missed his next four, but to start at a game, he oh, shoot. Was, was going well. Um, the real uh, win, I guess, from the exhibition on the shooting front is Tyler Kolick. Um, who attempted all eight of his field goals from beyond the arc and made five of them, which is extremely encouraging, especially because he was tasked to um, handle some of the distribution load and was the primary point guard when the starters were on the floor. Um, yeah, how many assists did he end up having? Had seven. Like seven? Yeah. He had seven assists. That's, he's he kind of the guy that I'm really – I really have no idea what to think of him because like he played well at George Mason last year and like the role he had there seems to be like if that like transfers one-to-one over here, then that's kind of a good thing that we could use. But like, you know, it's, it was a freshman in the Patriot league and like, yeah. So he's the reigning freshman of the year in the, is it the Patriot league or is that a different conference? I believe it's a, it's Atlantic 10 now. Oh, yeah. They used to be in the Patriot George League. Yeah, they're definitely Atlantic 10 now. Patriot League, yeah. So um, he shot. Um, oh, hold on. 
trying to come up with his 36 percent from three last year i had at least 35 in front of me from his uh, a10 bio um so yeah that's um good not great and Mm -hmm. for him to come out with a really strong um offensive performance in game one is encouraging um relative especially to uh daryl morcell who only shot seven times in a 23 minute period um and contributed more on the rebounding and defense side of things i think it's very possible that kolek will be kolek and lewis may be the consistent offensive forces for this team i think coming in and stop me if you disagree but i don't think you do um, we were concerned about this team offensively. Yeah, not really having consistent shooters and or um, just offensive uh, weapons overall. Yeah, but- the thing I'm the thing I'm currently really trying to gauge where the offense is going to come from is specific to like the distributor shot creator sort of role. Like I I do think that a combination of Justin Lewis, Kirkwath, and Omax, like I think those are gonna be like three solid like post guys who can really hold their own in like the scoring category, even if they're not like full on Dawson Garcia caliber, but it's gonna be more of a matter of who can get it to them like I think like Greg I think he's a good like combo guard like he can definitely be kind of a what point guard 1.5 or something like that if like the team really needs it but he shouldn't be like the primary guy taking the ball up I don't think and between Stevie Mitchell Tyler Kolek and I guess maybe Cam Jones like it's hard to expect a whole lot out of a a freshman transfer and a couple other freshmen to really take the helm and propel an offense into a mid-tier conference offense. And yeah. so so I think on yeah. that note you mentioned Cam Jones um and Stevie Mitchell um the bench rotation it was a 10-man rotation for Marquette. They have I believe 12 full scholarship players and uh, Greg Elliott sat and Keehan. Uh, oh boy. I'm going to give it a shot. It is what I say in my head, but I'm sure that's wrong. Um, do you have, uh, do you yeah. have any inside info? Sadly, I did. I should have looked at the I guess pronunciation I could guide. I guess you go to the roster, which should have the pronunciation guide on it. Maybe. Yes. No. Um, no, it does not have it. Uh, well, maybe if I click on his roster, this is great radio. It does not have it <laughs> on the roster. Okay. Uh, he's redshirting. So mm-hmm. it's it's 10-man rotation for Marquette until Greg Elliott is active. Then it will probably be some version of an 11-man rotation um, with probably much less playing time for some of the freshmen in particular. But what we mm-hmm. saw on... Uh, Thursday night was the uh, high minute load for the Wojo guard retainees, uh, Cam Mm -hmm. Jones and Stevie Mitchell. Stevie Mitchell in particular 
uh, ended up playing the fourth most minutes of any market player in the game um, and was uh, four for six from the field with four assists and four steals, which is an encouraging stat line. He was also plus 40, which was third on the team behind tied with Omax and only behind Lewis. Uh, so Stevie Mitchell, um, is someone we are certainly looking towards as possibly the only pure point on the entire roster, given Kolek, uh, and Elliot's, um, proclivities in that department as more, um, off guard and mm-hmm. uh, combo guard types. Um, Marion Ellis is someone that Alan Bykowski had mentioned to me in our conversations based on what he saw in the open scrimmage as someone that was handling the ball when Stevie was in a walking boot uh, a couple of weeks ago. Interesting. I, and, uh, yeah, looking at uh, the recap from uh, the mothership, uh, yeah. if you feel so inclined, dear listener, to read such, uh, he indicated that uh, – Marion Ellis uh, might have struggled a little bit in this, which uh, statistically it, that is backed up. Um, yeah, he had uh, three turnovers, no assists, and was one five in the field. So I would say definitively that is a good observation based on what I'm looking at in the box score. Um, yeah, so of the of the four true freshmen and Oso Igadaro that came off the bench, uh, Stevie Mitchell had the biggest impact. Cam Jones shot twelve times, which is a Man. lot. And missed seven threes. Um, that is also a lot. That is also a lot. He scored 13 points. Um, so he was very uh, trigger happy from the field. Um, but it does appear that now that he is healthy and out of the walking boot, Stevie Mitchell is going to play a role, a big role. I know we had talked to Sam, our, our dear friend and former full-time host who will be definitely on this podcast throughout the season. Um, and he is a huge Stevie Mitchell stan um, and expects a lot of things out of Stevie from what he, the research he has done. And to my eyes, uh, at least initially with Greg Elliott suspended, the starting five will be the five biggest contributors, most likely. Um, Oso uh, is really raw. Um, looked like he played well in a short period of time, but only playing 14 and a half minutes uh, makes and committing three fouls. Okay. Fouls drawn five. Yeah. All right. I'm looking at box score. Um, I would guess he's always kind of struck me as like a guy who's got like that good raw skill set, but yeah, for sure. Just can't really like launch himself beyond the rest of the pack. Not like quite Jamal Kane level where, like he'll just have a random game shooting four threes against Xavier or something like that. But in kind of like those minutes expectation, I would guess in terms of minutes expectation, like obviously Oso with uh Kian red shirting is going to be relied on as the backup center on this team. But okay, I would yeah. imagine uh, Justin Omax Kerr play a wide swath of, forward center minutes and uh, Kolick and Morcel play a ton of minutes as what I'm point I'm getting at is the starting five will likely have a pretty uh, high minute share, but in terms of people that can contribute off the bench, I would definitely say Stevie Mitchell would be the one, especially given his ball handling skills 
that I would most expect at this point, given the evidence we have and Greg Elliott being suspended to contribute outside of that five in the first uh, four games of the season. The other one that I'm kind of looking at is David Joplin. He Mm -hmm. and Marion Ellis played very similar minute shares, which would likely indicate that they're both viewed as sort of secondary options off the bench. But Joplin put together a really nice game again. And anything, everything you see about Joplin is that, A, his body is very um, mature and uh, college basketball ready for a true freshman. And that his scoring ability is very mature. And he has, um, you know, very polished offensive game to where he can contribute likely right away. And I had said that in um, my contribution to part to our season preview series on the website that given his physical makeup, he's likely to be a contributor, a potential contributor right away. Um, That's not always true. Stuff like Dexter Acano is is someone that I've projected that for before and he redshirted and didn't play basically um, for the first two years he was at Marquette. So, but, but given that the starting five seems pretty set with Elliot out, Um, I would expect Joplin and Mitchell to have the biggest contributions. Um, What do you think? I I do think that the development of Stevie Mitchell throughout the year, like I think that's something that will have impacts beyond just this year. Like if we, I think overall Marquette fans are going to look at this year as like, Oh, this was the transition into Shaka year. But if there is one overall takeaway that ends up happening i think if it turns out positively it will likely revolve around the development of stevie mitchell because again it's tough to expect a lot from a freshman if they're not in the top 25 of your class unless your name is marcus howard and it's even more to it's even less uh wise to expect something out of a freshman point guard so that development just by its nature takes time but if we get kind of towards the end of the year and we're looking at Steven Mitchell, like, Oh, he's the real deal. Then I think the launching of Marquette into a new era could happen sooner than we think. Because Um, it's, I think you said what six deals from him also. Something like that. uh, From whom? Yeah. From Stevie. From Stevie. Stevie had four steals. Oh, four steals. Because the one thing that uh, I noticed on the Twitter account of Ben Steele was the uh, constant updating of the deflections count. Yes, I noticed that as on well. the whiteboard. Did you take note of the final number? I did not. It was fifty-two. Wow, that is a lot of. Concept. Yeah, that's gonna. That's like almost one per possession, which given what we experienced over the last seven years with Wojo and his desire to put a force field around every single ball handler of about a two foot radius, this is going to be a very welcome sign with a lot of active hands from the point of attack. And if Mitchell and Marcel are doing what we think they can do, that's going to be, disruptive and feisty yeah i agree um so i think we'll take a bigger look um 
at the season overall in a moment. Um, I would like to note that Marquette's first game is on Tuesday, as many um, college basketball teams share that in common. Um, it is against uh, SIU Edwardsville, Southern Illinois University, Edwardsville. Beautiful this time of year. Me, can you tell me what SIU Edwardsville did yesterday? I actually can tell you because uh, would you like to inform the people they like most teams do uh, the week before the season uh, they play an exhibition game against the Harvard the Harvard of some state Quincy 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 University the Quincy University Hawks in Illinois another Illinois team and uh Southern Illinois University Edwardsville lost to this team. They did a Division two university by one point. Was a- by one point, I I have if if you would like if you would allow me a moment, I will read from the official recap on the SIU Edwardsville Cougars website. SI S I U E Cougars dot com. Beautiful. Um, SIUE freshman Rayshon Taylor led all scores with twenty two points, and Carlos Curtis added ten in a losing effort Thursday. At First Community uh-huh. Arena, Quincy defeated SIUE 62-61 in the first action for both teams this season. Now, allow me, I did a brief Google of Quincy and what the metadata from their website is showing on Google is that their most recent season, they were a 6-15 and team. So this is no Lindenwood. This team is <laughs> coming. Last season was very bad in Division II. Um. Would you like to hear from SIU head coach, SIUE head coach, Brian Barone? Please. I would I love am to excited hear from about this team, Brian Barone. Okay. I am obviously disappointed in our performance tonight, and it starts with me. I can put guys in a position to have a little more success. I would say so. <laughs> I would say Absolutely. there's more success possible than losing to Quincy University. Man. Um, it's important for them to get out there, Barone said. There was a little bit of hesitation and reservation at times with everyone. A lot of guys that had the opportunity did something positive. A lot of guys didn't get the opportunity tonight just because of the way the game was going. AKA, he didn't play a bunch of his bench guys because he didn't want to lose an exhibition to a Division II team, which he did. And anyway. he still lost. <laughs> You want to win. I'm never going to be someone who says you don't want to win the game. You get into a close game, and that kind of limits some things you were thinking going into the game. Do you think so? (laughs) Sir. We had a few opportunities to extend the lead, and we made some poor decisions, Barone said. They made some shots. (laughs) <laughs> they are very yeah, yeah, you, well gotta, you gotta make team. shots to win the game man i like this i like this is a good coaching thing if you lose complimenting the other coach for coaching the team well they're a very oh, well coached team i respect what head coach ryan hellenthal does there's a he reason clearly I googled that play. name before this press conference <laughs> no i think he Wanted did make sure he put him by name i wanted our team to play against a team that was going to play with passion and execution they lived up to it. I don't think he wanted that passion and execution to lead to a loss, though. No. Uh, I, will, <laughs> I will watch this game tonight, and we'll, and we'll get ready for Marquette on Tuesday, he added. Boy, that you're going to have a whole scouting report for the 321st-ranked <laughs> team. Ah, oh, that is just – that was good. That was 
called Reading the Game Recap on, on the website. The most, their most notable Reading. alumni appears to be a former relief pitcher for your Seattle Mariners, Josh Kinney. Okay, man, that is Pure. that is not a name. That is like that dude must have pitched like twenty games max out of the pen, like in one. He pitched for one season in twenty twelve. Yeah. Okay. Twenty twelve. Wow, that's real throwback. I vaguely remember that name, but I could not tell you a single thing about him except that he probably wasn't very good, given that I can't remember the name. No, he 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 really wasn't. But that's okay. Yeah. So that's a. I mean, at least uh, in terms of the games that Greg Elliott's going to miss, that's a good one for him to miss. But uh, the Illinois one, not as good. I was going to lead into that, that Illinois game, uh, even without uh, Kofi Coburn on the Illini squad. Uh, oh, good, I didn't uh, even think about that because that news came yeah. out the other day. That is interesting. Yeah, that's his uh, That's his last game. Uh, that's a good suspended for. Yeah, I mean, it's good. It's going to make the loss a little bit more sad, but. Uh, <laughs> well, Kurt, Kurt won't get into foul trouble as much. Well, he probably still will. I don't know. Who's to say? I'm kind of kind of assuming on him uh as a player that there's a reason that he's never really had a huge role um as a i actually uh i mean like he's not like greatest offensive talent or anything like that but dude is a block machine like and in a much more graceful way i say that mostly in comparison or i guess more contrast to our old friend theo john who i adore and love um, but I think we'll see a little bit more of an ability for Quoth yeah. to stay on the floor. I've been thinking of Quoth uh, in a similar vein to one Chris O'Toole, um, Ooh. which Chris O'Toole was not a very skilled player. And I think Quoth, at least from what I've seen, is probably a little bit more athletic and um, less uh, raw than O'Toole. But I think mm-hmm. a lot of and probably less thick as well, a little more, a little more skinnier and bouncier than O'Toole, mm-hmm. who was just kind of a load. Um, but uh, also, uh, do you have to read your email aloud that you just got, or is that, or was that me? that was not me actually? Oh, it was me. No. Oh, you outed yourself here. Oh, uh, it was me. Well, good news. I got ninety percent on my accounting homework for my MBA program. Oh, good for awesome. me. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. I I feel good. I was like, oh no, ah, I don't. I didn't realize I had my email open. Anyway, that's unfortunate. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good comp for him, and I'm looking forward to his contribution. And hopefully, it's more than just sort of a starter who plays less than the starter minutes because I don't think there's a whole lot of center depth now. I don't know how, like, if this team will choose to play Lewis and Omax. A fair yeah, amount. that's what I'm thinking. Like, if, if when the Thames Quoth is out, I just imagine it's going to be a pretty small lineup. Which I will I say, mean, I'm trying Quoth to think of. I'm trying to think from, of other like Big East bigs that. Yeah, when Quoth came out of the something. exhibition game, um, he was replaced directly by Oso. So I don't know. Okay, that was the. I was watching the overload stream at that point, and the first sub of the game was. Um. It was Oso for Quaff, and then it was a guard sub, and I don't remember if it was Stevie or um, – I think it might have been Stevie into, into handle the ball, and I don't remember which – it was not Kolek, but it was one of the – um, maybe it was Omax um, okay. was his sub. 
So yeah, I kind of I kind of learned that like you know these kind of sub patterns for these exhibition games are pretty informative because I remember for the Euro Tour going into the 2019-2020 season, that was when we kind of first learned that Jace Johnson would actually have a role on this team. God, I mean, everyone needs a Jace Johnson. Honestly, yes. I miss him so much. Um, Okay, let's transition into kind of season-long thoughts. Um, Yeah. I think it's a I think it's a good way to wrap this up with sort of a discussion about where our heads are at um, in terms of what to expect and um, you know possibilities to um, and like for me I'm going to watch this season with sort of a growth mindset um, mm-hmm. but I also you know I don't I don't expect. And I don't know if I would be disappointed if this team gets knocked around constantly in the Big East, but I don't expect them to. Because mm-hmm. I think when you have a coach like Shock Smart and a group of talented players like you have on this team, there is a certain floor to your performance. And I don't I don't anticipate this team being like the car the Carlino team where they went mm-hmm. like like four and 14 in the big East or whatever. And had the game winner against Creighton though. Yeah. They made some, they, they won a couple games with some awesome plays, but <laughs> I guess that's also the eight strong team, right? Yeah. It's yeah. That, that was the same team. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's going to look like that. Um, I know I there's a so lot either. of raw talent and I think tying any sort of expectations of success to this team is probably irresponsible, but I don't, expect them to suck constantly and i i think there's a lot of talent there and there's playmakers and it'll take a little while but i think it taking a little while is not the worst thing in the world Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i'll probably end up being a little bit less patient just because shock has been around for so long and he's had to do similar things with like less at like VCU. And so definite progress towards the end of the year is going to be like something that I look for, but I'm on the same page of just like, I have no hopes of an NCAA or even an NIT bid. It's the things that I'm mostly like hopeful for is one, I just want us to be described as feisty. Like, I want, like, Dan Hurley to go into a press conference and be like, hey, we beat them by three or whatever, but we had to fight and claw our way to that three-point victory or something like that. And then I wrote this on the website as well, but um, the thing that I would most love to see is, like, a really good win against not like one of the top like I'm not expecting a win against Illinois or anything like that or even Villanova but something where a team is on a hot streak coming into the Pfizer and it's a packed house and the crowd just kind of vaults the team into a victory almost in a way that 
kind of gets the fan base a little bit more excited and ready to fully start something new here. Because we've essentially gone without anything to root for ever since one of Marcus's last games. And since then, it's been just like completely quiet, bad coach, cultivating the fields of a new crop. And I just want there to be a little bit of a taste for us to create that new culture from what was once barren land. Yeah. Oh, that's a great metaphor. Um, To put it dramatically. Yeah, that was that was epic. So I just pulled up uh, Torvik um while you were saying that and torvik's expectation or projected record is 13 and 16 8 and 12 um which i think that's fair yeah i would say is fair definitely fair um Mm -hmm. 8 and 12 is fine to me yeah i don't know why 13 and 16 is less fine um it's not an easy it's not a really easy non-conference schedule and i think so also, part of that is I think that that's not factoring in multiple Charleston games, which they will play. So, obviously, if they win, mm-hmm. if they're eliminated by Mississippi, which Torvik is projecting, um, then they will likely maybe win one of the other two games. I don't know. The likelihood of them going 0-3 there is not great, I would say. But, yeah, so, I mean – I'd say that's about right. And I don't like expectations. Like, do I expect them to be that? Like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest thing for me is I want to win. I want to win a couple of games that you can hang your hat on. Yeah. Wisconsin being one. Now winning at Mm -hmm. the pole center is not exactly how you would describe as easy, but I think that that's one was, this is not a great Wisconsin team this year. Um, Greg guard is a huge cuck. And so um, cuck, by the way, is the word I used there, just in case the, the word huge in front of it um, threw you off. <laughs> but um, just is in general, like has the personality of that um, type of human. Um, and so that's, that's, a that's one that I look at possibility. Um, they're going to get absolutely run by UCLA, which is a hilarious game because that will be something. Cause how close was the game last year? It was close. They lost by like six or eight at Poly, I think. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a blowout by any stretch. And yeah. we got two hours of Bill Walton talking about the seventies Marquette teams. Yeah. And the conference of champions. Uh, Marquette lost by nine. Um, nine. But it was close the whole way, if I remember right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, uh, that game's going to be different. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. that's be, this is a much different UCLA team. Um, and yeah. A scarier UCLA team. Illinois is yeah. actually a game, now that you've reminded me that Kofi Coburn is out, um, that if they play that game close, I'll be satisfied. Like, if they don't get yeah. blown off the floor, like, they did against Iowa in the, in the Wojo era that one time in the Gavit games. Peter Jock still wants oh, my nightmares yeah. from that game. Um, yeah, that dude was great. Um, yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of looking the same way. Like, I, like I don't think Xavier is going to be that good in the Big East, but they'll still be relevant. Uh, kind of similar with like 
UConn. And yeah, there's definitely some teams that are going to be in kind of that yeah. lower top 25 range in the national outlook and like a home win against one of those teams, I think is something that we can definitely look at the it's not end of the year good. and be like, yes. It's not that good of a conference this year. Um, yeah, it's not. Villanova is as Villanova as normal in terms of they're not like a breakout Villanova team, but they're as as typically solid as always. Um, UConn is kind of the arrow up program this year, allegedly, mm-hmm. although I will believe it when I see it. Um, yep. Xavier and Seton Hall are sort of sideways arrow in terms of they are Xavier. Xavier has some up arrow players on their team. Um but they're just sort of predictably solid is what they're sort of projected for. And then they're going to be without Zach Fremantle for oh. an indefinite amount of time. Oh, for what reason? I did not see that. Oh, uh, this was a couple of days, a week ago, something like that. It was a leg injury of oh, some sort. Know. It's it, it just said out indefinitely last I heard. Well, that is unfortunate. Xavier, um, I know that Zach Fremantle made the first team all big East preseason. Um, mm-hmm. My, my reaction to that um, was, um, is this the same Zach Fremantle? Um, <laughs> because wow, is that a surprise? Um, yeah. Me. And maybe that's just like a level of, um, and now I don't know if the injury is baked into the projection, but um, he's like mid level on Xavier in terms of, projected um the 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 impact mar- um metric on mm-hmm. on uh, bart on torvik so um i don't know that that one seemed a lot but anyway let's not talk about a guy like that while he's down um and then in terms <laughs> of the rest of the conference i mean creighton is major arrow down um, yeah where they they got they got some interesting guys coming in but that's also going to take right. a while for them they are for sure um, they they have lost the infrastructure that has kept them at the top of the conference for the last couple of years, and they are projected right around um, the Marquette range. And then I think Marquette is probably definitively better than DePaul and Georgetown. Yeah, yeah. let's we're going to keep the tradition of don't lose to DePaul this year. That does yeah, not change. Yeah, that's Shaka getting off to a good start in the DLTD uh, department would be good. Um, and then, uh, I don't know, like St. John's is frisky as normal and in sort of Marquette's category, Butler, kind of the same vibe, um, what they've been the last couple of years and Providence, um, maybe a little up arrow-ish with some nice returners like Nate, Wat- Nate Watson, I think made that team as well. And Nate Watson's always a dude that I've really liked. Um, he didn't have yeah. a role as I thought he would last year but he's projected for a massive role this year. And um, he, he'll be maybe the best big man in the conference. Um, so um, all told, I mean, I think if we can put a bow on it here, um, I want to, I want to see a team be competitive, but in terms of having any sort of overall like achievement expectations, I'm not going to, I'm not going to worry about that too much. Yep, same here. As long as the arrow keeps pointing up and maybe we can occasionally uh, exceed preseason expectations, I'm totally good. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Anything else you want to add? We will uh, probably reconvene this 
if not after uh, the first game, then maybe after the second game. Um, I believe I have the schedule here. We play New Hampshire on Friday. And this is not very conducive to good recording times. Um, okay. We may record uh, yeah, over the weekend, yeah. or maybe we will come back to you after Illinois. So we have a decent picture of what that looks like. Um, but uh, we will uh, be in your podcast feeds as often as we can this year and looking forward uh, to bringing this back and um, actually committing to it now that we have the bright, as we've been saying, arrow up um, trajectory for the program and let the Shaka era begin. Yeah, I'm just so excited for basketball back. It's going to be great. Um, the madness, it is, it is upon us. Oh, 